Welcome to the Mama Truth Show, where soulful mamas embrace the whole truth of the messiness and magic of motherhood. Check us out at mamatruthshow.com. Here's your host, Amy Ehlers, the Wake Up Call Coach. Happy Mama Truth Monday, mamas. It's Amy Ehlers here, the Wake Up Call Coach, back with another Mama Truth Show. And today we are going to talk about happiness and about how to raise a happy kid, which I know every single one of us wants to raise a happy kid. And in this stressful world, especially right now, it's a little crazy out there. So I wanted to bring on someone that literally wrote the handbook on raising a happy kid. So let me introduce you to Katie Hurley. She's a child and adolescent, adolescent psychotherapist and parenting educator. She's located in Los Angeles, California, my old stomping grounds. And she's the author of The Happy Kid Handbook, How to Raise Joyful Children in a Stressful World. And she has a new book coming out at the beginning of next year in 2018. I'm going to have her back on the show to talk about this because get this, mamas, her book is called No More Mean Girls. So you know that I have to have her on to talk about that. But I wanted to focus today's show on how to raise a happy kid. You can visit Katie on her website at Practical katie.com and katie spelled k-a-t-i-e in case you're listening on the podcast and of course everything's in the show notes so with that katie thank you so much for being on the show here today thanks so much for having me it's fun to be here yeah well and i have to say you write everywhere i mean not only do you write on your blog but you're like syndicated to washington post and pbs kids and all of these incredible websites and that's where i found out about you so i'm really honored that you're taking time to be here on the mama truth show oh uh, thank you i do i know I'm, I'm very fortunate to be able to place my words in a lot of places so it's so great it's so great well and i love the messages that you're really bringing out into the world so you know, one of, here's the first question that I want to ask you, which is when, you know, I feel like a lot of us as parents have said, you know, we just want our kids to be happy. And I'm curious for you, what, what's your definition of a happy kid? What does that actually mean to you? And really in the context of your book? Well, I mean, I think the big trick there is that it kind of means something different to everybody. You know, everybody sort of has their own blueprints of how they want things to go. And I think in terms of childhood happiness, you know, for kids, what they need is just time to play and time to be kids and and time to explore on their own terms and time to sort of just figure out the world. I mean, kids have amazing ideas and they have all these things running through their minds at all times. And one thing we're finding right now is that kids don't really have the time to sit and think. Um, They don't really have the time to figure out, parents will say, well, my child has no passion. She doesn't have a thing. She hasn't figured out her thing yet. And it's like, well, they don't really have a lot of time to figure out their thing. You know, right. 30 years ago, we all had time to sort of play with sticks and explore the <laughs> world and figure out what made us tick. And kids don't really have that. So I think right now in terms of happiness, if we sort of repackage it as calm and having just sort of time to explore and be children and be young, that's kind of what it's all about. And do you feel like, what do you feel like is getting in the way of kids having that time? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about overscheduling that I know so many of us do. I can be guilty of that in moments as well with my girls. And then also technology and stuff. Like, what do you see as the thing that's getting in the way of them just having time to play and use their imagination? 
Well, I think there's a lot of things. I mean, like you say, we all sort of fall victim to overscheduling at times. And yes. one of the great things about being a kid right now is there's so many opportunities. I mean, it's not just, it used to be there was soccer and baseball, yeah. you know, right, right. like 400 sports, yeah. you know, or it used to be there was art class. Now you can take cooking classes when you're five. So right. there's sort of all these cool things on the one hand that are, you know, meets every possible need. Um, on the other hand, five-year-olds aren't in the kitchen putting together fruit and making their own fruit salad anymore because they're going, they're getting farmed out to a class to do it. And so, and we're doing it out of the goodness of our hearts. Like, look, I found you this great thing. You're interested in this. I found it for you. You're going to love it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and then the flip side of that is that they don't have much downtime, but there's also, you know, we've all seen the pushing down of academics. School has changed a lot. Some of that's great. Technology in the classroom can be an amazing thing. Too much technology is too much technology, you know. So we're all sort of trying to play catch up right now with how the landscape of childhood is changing. And because of that, it's really, really difficult to find balance. I mean, we all talk about finding balance, finding balance. I mean, raise your hand if you have actually found it, because I can't say that I have, and I work in this field. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's sort of hard. There's a lot of different pressure on kids, even just if we look at sports. I mean, I love sports because I always played sports, but it used to be that it was fun in fourth grade. You know, it right. really wasn't competitive. It was just kind of fun. There were all skill levels as it should be for a bunch of, you know, fourth graders. Now you've got second graders being pushed to win, you know, to, to get the MVP trophy because now participation trophies are not good enough. That's a bad thing. So right. we kind of, we look at, we also, we look at every little thing, right? I mean, we have these big fights on social media. Oh, participation trophies should go away. You know, those right. are, it's like, it's really just a, tro a trophy, <laughs> you know, well, at the end of a season. I mean, I, I don't know, are we overthinking things? You know, so there's kind of a lot going on and our kids are sort of the silent victims to it because they don't yeah. have a lot of, we don't give them a lot of choices. We don't give them a lot of room to think and grow on their own. Yeah, well, and you're right. Like, I feel like everything, like I have friends who feel like it's ridiculous that, you know, and, and my daughter's um, basketball, they don't keep score until fourth or fifth grade or whatever. And prior to that, they don't, you know, like you're just playing right. to play the game, right? And I was like, oh, I think that's kind of cool. But then my mom's like, they're all keeping score anyway. Like the, all the kids know how many baskets have been made. I'm like, oh, I'm like, yeah, but it's different than having it on the scoreboard or what have you. Let's just let them play. And you know, right. but then, and then there's other people that are, you know, just totally against it. Like, that's ridiculous. They need to know, you need to know how to lose if you're going to play sports. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's crazy out there. <laughs> it is crazy out there. It's also, it's all started so much younger too. It used to, that's, this used to not be available to kindergarten, first, second graders. I mean, this used to be like a third, fourth grade up. Now we've got, you know, preschoolers, we're suiting them up in shin guards that don't fit and telling them to right. play they're supposed to be rolling around in the grass, you know, and then you always get the parents who get anxious when they've got the daisy picker because there's one on every team, you know, right. <laughs> out at the end of the field just playing with the grass and they're like, oh no, that's my kid. And it's like, that's what your kid is supposed to be doing at this age, you know, that one's getting it right. <laughs> it's like, totally. Oh my gosh. So, so I, well, yeah, and bless our hearts, like our little triggers as moms yeah. and as parents, like we just are so trying to do right by our kids. And we are. That trying just, is the thing that has the backlash to it, you know? Right. It never, I, one thing that's hard for moms right now is it absolutely never feels like enough. No matter what you do, it somehow never feels like enough. And part of that, you know, I'm always telling parents, a huge part of that is that 
every kid is so different. They come into this world with different temperaments, with different personalities. They have different likes and dislikes. You know, I mean, your introverted child is not going to want to do the same things as your extroverted child. And that's okay. You know, we all have strengths and we all have so much inner beauty. And if we can just accept that and, and let them be, we'll really help them thrive and, and be happy in this world. Yeah. Well, and so what, what do you feel like for kids in particular? So we've talked about kind of the overschedule and that kind of stuff, but what else do you feel like is getting in the way of kids feeling happy? Well, I feel like there's just a ton of pressure on kids right now. I mean, the kids yeah. that roll through my office, even the youngest ones, um, they feel a lot of pressure. They feel it at school. They, there's a lot of testing and assessments that goes on right now. And there's a lot of like things like behavior charts on the wall and, you know, things on the classroom wall, you know, if you pass your time test, you get a sticker. If you don't, you don't, you know, so then they're all seeing who got the sticker, who didn't get the sticker. Um, There's a lot of, we sort of, we're like breeding competition between kids at very young Mm -hmm. ages, which there's healthy competition and there's unhealthy competition. And when kids are young, it's pretty much mostly unhealthy. As they get older, you know, they do, it's, it's good to learn to compete and, and learn how to lose. Absolutely. Kids do need to learn how to lose, but kids are constantly being corrected right now. Yeah. Feeling like they're failing or not living up to, you know, some sort of um, measurement and, and it's hard, you know, and then they're kind of like looking at each other. Well, I do this. Do you do this? Well, I do this better than you. No, I do this better than you. I mean, there's a lot of that. There's always some of that on the playground. Now there's like mostly that. (laughs) So really, um, it just, it seems like there's a lot of just, I see it all the time. I mean, and people say bullying's on the rise, bullying's on the rise. I mean, statistically, you know, bullying has always been around. What's happening is you're seeing more heated interactions at younger ages, where it used to just be you expected kids to have social fails in the early years because they're learning. You know, they're sure. learning to be friends and they don't know how to share when they're toddlers. And you, you know, you have to have reasonable expectations, right? And then right. You get into school and they're going to leave someone out, not necessarily intentionally, because they're just not, they're thinking of playing with that other kid that day. Right. Things that happen, um, it's getting more and more intense. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing kids younger and younger that are dealing with some pretty negative peer interactions that are really making them not want to go to school. And so that's hard, you know, so I think there's, there's a lot of factors that are just putting pressure on kids and then they don't have the time to, I can't tell you how many kids sit on my couch and when I say, what is your one wish? If I could tell your parents one thing yeah. that would make you feel less stressed right now and a lot better, what is it? What is it that you need? I need time to play. I need time to read. I need time to draw. I mean, these are the things they want. Wow. Kids don't have big giant wishes. They, they have little wishes. It, they're big to them. You know, to us, that seems small, but it's really big to them. I love that. So I just want to encourage all of you mamas that are listening right now to just really do a check-in about that, about the free time and the free space that you're giving your kids and just check in around that. And then I love this question around like, if, if I could grant you one wish, like we could even probably ask that to our own kids. Although I'm sure my almost 10 year old would be like, give me an iPhone would be her yeah, with. Right. <laughs> well, they always give their moms a different answer than yeah, they give you. Sure, sure. <laughs> As with my own children. <laughs> you know, oh my gosh. But it's, but I wonder too, it's like, I wonder about that. I wonder what the answer would be. And it's like, this is not about you getting an actual gift, but it's like, what's one thing that we could set up better for you in your life right now? Maybe they're depending on the age of the child, of course, but some way for us to check in with our kids 
and just listen to them and hold space for them to admit whatever is going on for them. I know for me, like when I'm in the car driving with my girls, that's often a time where I'll get an honest answer if I ask a big question because they're kind of trapped in the car with me. (laughs) But yeah, I think that's, I, I think that's really profound to hear that, that kids are wanting more space. And I know that, you know, most of the moms that are here at, on the Mama Truth show and listen to the show are you know, moms that would say that they're conscious moms, they're moms that are soulful. They're really trying to, Absolutely. you know, raise their kids in the, not the quote unquote right way, but right way for their child, you know, really yeah. doing that. And so like, if you have a child that you can tell is really stressed out, like there's anxiety, there's stress. I know this is one of your specialties. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and how we can really help our kids if we're seeing those signs of stress or if they're coming home complaining about being bullied or any of those things? What, what do you advise parents to do in those scenarios? Well, I mean, it, all kids experience stress differently. And a, a lot of times kids will have physical symptoms of stress. So if your child is really complaining about stomach aches and headaches or is falling asleep but having nightmares or just not being able to fall asleep, those are all signs that parents should just kind of watch for. Um, one thing that happens with children is that they put all of their energy into surviving the day, whether they're at school or camp or you know whatever they're doing. And they come home and then they kind of fall apart. And, you know, they, they end up coming to me because the parents say, oh, every night it's the same thing. It's this big, long meltdown. I don't know what to do. I don't know why my child is so mad at me. You know, I don't know what's going on. Um, a lot of times that's just their expression of emotion after a long day of really putting their best foot forward and holding it together no matter what's going on. So um, I really encourage parents to practice mindfulness with kids. Mm-hmm. There are some really great apps on the market that you can do together. Um, I happen to prefer the stop, think, breathe app. They Mm. came out with a kids app recently. I, for a long time, I used the regular one with kids and then they made a specific one for for kids about a couple months ago. It's fantastic. Um, and it's fun because it has all different scenarios. And like, if you're feeling this mood, you pick this one and that mood, that one. So, and then they do mood check-ins. And so if you do it, you know, a lot of times what happens is I make these suggestions and parents kind of give it to the kids. Okay. Take my phone and go do your, your mindfulness app. But what I suggest is you, you do it together. You know, you lay down together on the floor, cho- you know, let your child choose the thing, do the deep breathing, listen, and then do the emotions check-in after. Um, because that's a good way to really connect with your kids and to get them talking. Um, you know, kids are telling me and my colleagues and people like me um, over and over again that they're feeling like parents are rushed and don't have a lot of time to listen. And one thing that most kids tell me is they crave one-to-one time with mom or dad, um, sometimes even a grandparent or, you know, someone else who cares for them a lot. They're wanting just, and they're not, you know, it's funny because parents will think that they're wanting these big things. And again, often it's just, I want to take a walk. I want to watch a movie together, but I don't want mom on her phone when we're watching the movie. I want her to pay attention. Um, and, you know, look, we're all guilty of sneaking a look at something that's bothering us or we're thinking is going to be coming through email or text or whatever. And, you know, we're, we've gotten away from being mindful and just kind of like sitting with our kids. I always say to parents, you know, it's not the amount of time that you spend with your kid one-on-one, it's the quality of the time that you spend. So, yeah. you know, sitting and watching that movie can be relaxing for both of you or taking that 20-minute walk through nature can be really, you know, soul-fulfilling for both of you and yeah. kind of reset both of you. And it gives kids 
just that unfettered opportunity to really talk and open up. I mean, they're, mm. it takes kids time to say what they're worried and anxious about. You know, they, they need that. They need to be walking. They don't, you know, parents always want to do it over the kitchen table or in the car as you do, but it's, yeah. it's like there's a pressure when they're staring at you. I can't say it, you know, but you get out and you walk or you, you know, dig in the sand or whatever it is you're doing. You're on swings together, whatever they, they don't have to look you right in the eye. They can kind of think and they can slowly let it out. You know, that's when you kind of get to the root of the problem. Um, I also encourage for kids who struggle to talk, I always encourage parents to do like a, a mother child or father child journal where you can write notes back and forth at night. You know, they write you a note at night, you write back when they're at school and then they read it and you go back and forth. That's kind of a really safe way that kids can start opening up if they have a hard time saying what they're feeling. Um, and that can help parents realize like, well, are they really anxious or is there just one thing going on at school or is it that they're low on sleep? Yeah. Uh, in terms of like, you know, you know that you have a child who's anxious. I always say go back to the basics. So make sure they're getting 11 to 12 hours of sleep, you know, make sure they're eating at the right intervals, make sure they're getting enough playtime and outside time. Kids today are really like nature deprived. Um, so, you know, get them outside. Even if you don't have a big yard, it doesn't matter. Just tossing a ball back and forth on the sidewalk is outside, you know, it's yeah. and fresh air and it's different than being cooped up. So, um, you know, kind of go and look at all those things. And if you adjust for all of that and they're sleeping well and they're eating well and they're getting enough outside time and then they're still anxious, well, you know, then we kind of work on what are the strategies they can use to calm themselves down. That's so great. So I just want to highlight a few things because this is like gold. This is gold, mamas. I'm telling you. Okay. So first of all, the app was Stop, Stop Think, Breathe. Yep. Stop, Think, Breathe. And there's a special one for kids. And I love this idea of doing it with your kids. I, I know for me, we, you know, I meditate. I have a, a regular practice in the mornings and I've tried sometimes having my girls sit with me, but it just never works out. I have a three-year-old and almost 10-year-old, so it really never works out. You know, it's just like, forget it. I get Those are two different ages. You know, yeah. you know, but I enjoy breathing with them, even if it's just three breaths, right? Yeah. You know, or we'll get in the car and everyone's like been stressed to get in the car. And I'm like, okay, everyone, we're taking a breath together before we yeah. use this car. We've got to take a breath, people. <laughs> I love this idea of like sitting down with them and, do, and lying down and doing that app and doing that check-in. That is so, so beautiful. And then the second thing that you said that I really want to highlight here is, you know, having those times with your child where you're doing something, you're on the swings, you're on the walk, you're doing something together. And that, that space, that sacred space, as I like to call it, is what can open kids up sometimes to talk about things yeah. versus if we're rushed, if we're trying, like you said, like looking at them eye to eye, like what happened to your day? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It could just be too much. It's too intense. So well, we start like interviewing them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. And, and it, and it can feel like that and feel like pressure and yeah, totally. Or like over the dinner table or whatever, it can feel too formal. Right. And I love that. And I, like, as I'm thinking back on that, I'm thinking with Annabella with my oldest, that like when we've had some of our best conversations, it's been at those times or when yeah. we're on a longer drive and all of a sudden she just kind of starts telling me something that's going on or what have you. Um, and then I also love, especially if you have an introverted child that loves to write, doing that back and forth. I really want to highlight that for everyone. Do the journal, have your child write to you at, at night before they go to bed and then you respond in the day. I just think that's so beautiful. And I know for, you know, most of the moms here on the show are, working moms. And I know that we have a lot on our plate, but that, you know, I feel so busted when you said about checking your phone when watching right. the movie. I know. Like, oh, 
Just go do that. And, and Annabelle will be like, mom, get off your phone. We're watching it. And it's hard when like the movie's a kid's movie and you do, you're like, I really, you know, or you've seen it seven times as like a three-year-old, you know? So like, but then they start asking you questions because they know exactly what you missed and you're like, oh. Totally, exactly. So, busted, you know, we're all about the truth on the mom. Totally busted. And there. Something I'm going to work on, a growth edge for yeah. me, right? <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. So thank you. I just really wanted to highlight those practical tips for people so they can start implementing the ones that resonate with them. And then you said, you know, if they're, you know, if your child is getting, you know, enough food, enough sleep, enough nutrition, you're having that space and they're still having those issues or still not feeling like they want to go to school. Sorry, my dog is scratching his collar. Sorry for the loud noise there if you're on, especially if you're on iTunes. Uh, but yeah, so what do you say in those cases if your child really is still feeling really resistant going to school and that kind of thing? Well, I think, you know, the parent-teacher relationship is hugely important. And I find that most, you know, elementary school teachers are not in it for the fame or fortune. They're in it because they love working with kids. <laughs> so, you know, bottom line, they, they want kids to learn and grow and thrive. And they know they have a lot of responsibility on their hands. And they want to work with parents. And they want to reach each child, even if they have like an overflowing classroom, they're still, they're up at night thinking about your child. You know, they know which ones are struggling and they're, they're up at night worrying about that too. So, um, I think, you know, step one is to really, if you feel like something is happening at school or related to school is to get in touch with the teacher and establish that relationship and, and just even see what the teacher has seen during the day so that you can kind of get a baseline of how your child is functioning away from you. Um, and then, you know, maybe the teacher has some ideas about what might be going on in the classroom that's hard if, you're, if your child isn't really, you know, forthright with the information right away. And then kind of to think about, to assess, you know, you have to be careful because when we start really interviewing kids and trying to get information out of them, we tend to lead them for one thing. And, and that's not useful because then we're putting our words in their mouths. And also we kind of shut them down because they feel like they're doing something wrong. So, you know, the biggest thing is unconditional love and support with these kids. You know, they need to know that they can come to us with anything, big or small, because it's all big to them, like I said earlier. Um, they need to know they can come to us, that they can just say things and that we're not going to solve every problem. You know, we all, and I'm guilty of it too, because I am a mom and, you know, I have two kids, but we want to fix it for them. You know, we have ideas, we have wisdom on our side, we've been through something similar or we know some, someone who has, so... We're solutions people, you know, that's what parents are. We, we're always putting out fires and solving problems. When it comes to anxiety, we have to resist that urge because first of all, we need to let kids know that it is okay to feel anxious. Everybody feels anxious at some point or another. We all have a worry brain somewhere inside there. Sometimes the worry brain gets a little loud, you know, and for anxious kids, I'm always telling them right now, your worry brain is drowning out your happy brain. And so we have to figure out why is that? What, what kind of signals is your worry brain sending? You know, is it, what is it worried about? Is it worried about being away from mom and dad when you're at school? Is it worried about, we kind of have to let kids come to that. And so I, one thing I do in my office and it's in my book because it's something you can do at home. You don't need to be a trained therapist to do it is um, I have kids draw two brains, their happy brain. I have them fill it with all the things that make them happy and it can be anything, you know, it can be riding a bike, it can be flying a kite. I've got, you know, I once had a kid who wrote meatloaf in there, you know, on a separate page, we do a worry brain and we said, let's fill it with all the things that make you worry, you know, the dark, um, you know, being separated from mom or dad, car accidents, you know, plane accidents. They come up with 
the more the older kids get, the more they understand the real world. Right. Well, the real world is a scary place when you're eight, nine, ten years old because there's right. all sorts of things that can go wrong, you know, and you have no control over it. So I have them sort of sort of fill all those things in there. And then we, we learn how to do um, self-talk. So I teach kids to boss back their worry brain because what happens is when you're anxious, your worry brain is yelling at you. Don't go there. This is too dangerous. All these bad things are going to happen, you know, but when I teach them to boss it back, no, I got this. I can handle this. School is safe. School is fun. I love to learn. You know, when I teach them to do that and they practice it over and over again, they really do. You combine that with deep breathing and they start to get control over their anxious feelings. It doesn't mean anxiety is going to go away. It means it helps them get back in the driver's seat and reduce those anxious feelings. So the deep breathing is the single best thing you can teach your kids anyway, just because it helps with stress. It helps with anxiety. It helps with all sorts of things. Even kids can get overexcited and that can be stressful. You know, right. It's fun and excitement can also be really stressful. So when we teach them how to breathe in for a count of four, hold for four, out for four, and we practice that as a family over and over again, little kids, I have them envision blowing up a balloon, um, you know, just to make it interesting and fun. We do that over and over again. We teach them to regulate their whole systems. It calms their brain. It calms mm. their heart. It, it stops mm. sweating. It kind of it just recenters them. And then you add on the boss back to the worry thoughts and you know, before you know it, they're feeling less anxious overall. That is incredible. I love it. Um, in my work, we do the inner mean girl and I've had my daughter draw her inner mean girl. And then she also has her inner wisdom, which is the counterpoint. And so, yes, so that dialogue is, I mean, it's amazing if you have them draw those things. And I love this drawing the worry brain and drawing the happy brain. And, and like, it's incredible what can happen when we start empowering our kids in that way. And like you said, it's not that the anxiety doesn't come up. It's not that they never get stressed again. It's not that they're happy a hundred percent of the time. Right. right. But it, right. It, it really is having tools in that moment and knowing what to do when that comes up is so huge. My, um, my oldest daughter is going away to sleep away camp this summer for the very first time wow. for four nights. I know it's really big, right? So she's going into fifth grade and her, she has like four, four cousins that are going to be there. And a fr her best friend is going with her and all that, but she's been having a lot of anxiety about being away at the sleepaway camp. And she never has had ever has had any trouble at sleepovers until we signed her up for the sleepaway camp. And now she's like, That's, big. That's a lot of nights. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. So we've been making, you know, lists of like what to do if, if you wake up in the night or if you can't get to sleep and like trying to give her all of these tools. And so I'm totally going to add and that worry brain and the happy brain, I think that that will be such a great tool for her because I keep checking and being like, you can just wait till next year. You don't have to go this year, but she really wants to go. She wants to go. Yeah, she wants to push herself. Yeah. Which is good. I mean, with kids, you know, sometimes a simple, a simple, as you know, language shift can really change things. Like, you know, anxiety tends to be grounded in what if, you know, what if something goes horribly wrong? What if I don't eat the right thing for lunch? What if everyone hates me? What if I miss my mom too much and I cry all the time? You know, so... But I teach kids to, instead of, you know, take those what ifs, like don't squash them, take them, say them out loud, you know, acknowledge them because it's all right to feel that way. You know, we're always telling kids, don't worry, don't cry, don't feel worried, don't feel sad, don't feel angry. You know, we're like, don't do them. Don't do this, don't do that. The message we send is these emotions are bad. The message we need to send is all these emotions are great. We all have them all the time. It's fine. It's totally okay to have all those what ifs. So say them out loud and then shift it and say, I know. I know that I can make a friend. I know that I can write mommy a letter. 
I know that I can choose whatever I want to eat for lunch. You know, I know whatever it is, you know, find yeah. the counterthought and make it an I know. And so say the what if, you know, acknowledge it, talk about it, and then end it with an I know. And that just empowers them. So brilliant. I love it. Oh my gosh. I know all of you mamas, you have to run over to Katie's website, practicalkatie.com. She, ha- she is a fountain of these types of <laughs> tips. I mean, every blog post is so practical. I, I really encourage everyone and definitely pick up copies of the Happy Kid Handbook. I always like to say when people have books out in the world, pick up three copies, one for yourself, one for a fellow mom that you know could use it and then keep one and you'll know like someone will, you'll have a dinner party or be at a whatever and you'll be like I have the perfect book for you I know these I love that that's a really good idea right <laughs> yeah. be like a little gifter yeah. uh, that could be so fun so I we're starting to wrap up here so here's my last question that I ask all my guests Katie, okay I would love for you to answer and that is what is messy and what is magical about motherhood for you these days for me personally yeah Oh boy. Well, what is messy is trying to balance my work life and my mama life (laughs) because it's hard. I have a lot of different jobs. I'm an author. I'm a freelance writer. I'm a psychotherapist. I run groups for girls. I I have a lot of things going on, but I also have a 10 year old daughter and this is a time when she really needs me. And so does my eight year old son. So, um, you know, that pull for like, I, I honestly have to shove my phone in a drawer a yeah. lot of the time to get away from it because I know that, you know, of course I'm 42 years old. I should be able to put it down and not look at it, but yeah. I struggle with what if I miss that important email? What if I forgot to send my edits back on time? What if I, you know, what yeah. if I do this? I get my own what ifs. So um, I think yeah. because I have a lot of balls in the air that gets messy for me and I'm learning to organize, you know, I've gone back to a pen and paper organizer. I mean, really, I'm like, I'm like a high school student. Um, <laughs> Because you know what? It keeps me grounded and I check it off and I'm done. I do my top three, three for the day and out, you know, awesome. <laughs> anything else can wait until they're in bed. So, um, I'm finding little tricks for myself, but that's kind of, that's messy. Cause sometimes I don't take care of myself and, um, yeah. that's dangerous, you know, cause I've, I've one point got a really bad neck spasm that, that kind of grounded me for a couple of weeks. And yeah. so I'm learning to manage it all and take care of myself, but it's certainly not easy. Um, what is magical is just, I, I feel like every day is a gift with my kids. And I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but, um, I went through infertility when I was trying to have kids. I had four miscarriages. Um, it took a very long time to bring my daughter into this world. It was, it was a struggle for us. And I, I don't know if it's because of that or just because of my personality or what, but I really, I enjoy my days with them. I do. Um, I don't sweat the small stuff. I don't care about spills. I don't care about a messy house. Um, my friends know that. They know they're coming into a mess and, and that's just how we roll. And, uh, you know, I try to just, you know, focus on those little nuggets, those little walks in the park and bike rides and little conversations because, you know, it all, it goes fast. Yeah. And, um, but I find that my kids really do come to me. Um, I've worked hard to kind of establish this relationship where they can tell me anything. I won't get mad. I'm just here to help. I'm just here to listen. And they do, they come to me and we talk about a lot of different things. And, and I, right now I'm kind of, I feel like I'm, we're in the sweet spot where we play a lot together. They play a lot together. We talk a lot. We have really good conversations. And to me, that's kind of the magic of it. I love that. And I, I, yeah. And thank you so much for sharing so vulnerably about the infertility and the miscarriages. And 
I know so many moms, myself included, that have been through such journeys around that. And there is something when that, when it is that long road to get what you want, sometimes you do savor it even that much more. So yeah, I appreciate it. So with that, mamas, um, sending all of you so much love. Thank you as always for tuning in. Um, Please share the show with your friends, with your loved ones at mamatruthshow.com. And with that, it's Amy Ehler signing off, reminding you to embrace the messiness and the magic of motherhood. Until next week, sending you love. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, mamas. Did you know that Amy has a new ebook out? It's called Sacred Self-Care for Moms, Seven Steps to Nurturing Yourself So You Can Be the Mom You Were Born to Be. And you can receive your free copy by going to sacredselfcarebook.com. That's sacredselfcarebook.com. And please don't keep the Mama Truth Show a secret. The biggest compliment you can give is to share the Mama Truth Show with your loved ones and write a review on iTunes. Until next time, keep embracing the messiness and the magic of motherhood.